Greetings and welcome to another episode of Credo Podcast, the place where I introduce Catholic truth into relativism and relativism find out that it's wrong. I'm Father Peter Deganzik and I'm doing a very special podcast today as I've been on pilgrimage in the Holy Land and I've had this privilege to be walking the journey with several beautiful and wonderful pilgrims. And one of them, his name is Briggs Sorber and he has a book and a story to tell. And I asked him if he would want to be on the podcast and he was ecstatic about it. So um, we're going to be having a little conversation today about Brig and how he got to where he is today. But let's first start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Father, you came to this world to save us from our sins, to help us get to heaven. We ask you through the death and resurrection, through your death and resurrection, that you raise us up and bring us to eternal life. We trust in you who are Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So in the unique world of being a Catholic priest, one of the things that happens to me every now and then is I get this opportunity to do something like a pilgrimage. And when you go on a pilgrimage, you never know really what you're walking into sometimes. I mean, there's always the question marks. You, you know where you're going, you know the places you're going to be seeing, the, the things that are going on. But the, the biggest variable I've always found as a priest is the people who will be pilgrims. And as I said on the first day to everybody here, there's nobody here by accident. There's nobody that ended up on this mm -hmm. pilgrimage that didn't belong here at this time with this group. I'm convinced that Brig was brought into my life. He, he's impressed me tremendously. And as a, as a priest, you're always looking to meet new people, to find new ways. Um, and Brig just had a, a very fascinating story to tell. And so if you want to just take a moment, Brig, just introduce yourself, let everybody know who you are, where you're from, how you got here, whatever you want. Sure, uh, Father Peter. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. It means the world to me. Uh, head still spinning after the pilgrimage. That's um, right. We're on the last day. I forgot this. Is, yeah. We're kind of wrapping up now. So we, just for perspective of everybody, we've just gone through about everything that you could think of in any place that Jesus has ever been in the Holy Land. It's been fanta fantastic. Yeah, like drinking from a fire hose in, in many cases. And uh, Father Peter did an excellent job of kind of wrapping us in, uh, getting us out of that mode of tourism and more of, of a pilgrimage, which was really helpful to kind of to set the mood for it. Um, for me, uh, I have, uh, my Catholic faith is relatively new. I'm uh, almost 60 years old. I've been a Catholic for, I would say 35 years, but really a practicing Catholic for maybe 20 years when I really took it serious. So I'm a walk-on, I'm a senior walk-on <laughs> as far as Catholicism goes. A uh, priest told me uh, when, when I was confirmed Catholic, he said, yeah, he said, Brig, the, really the Catholics are really set on fire, the ones that are, are conversions. And I thought, that's great, Father, that's, that's wonderful. And I walked out and went, not me, dude. <laughs> uh, I just did it to, to please my wife and get on with my life. Um, little did I know, um, if Father Vincent Olette was still living right now, he'd be laughing, uh, hearing me talking on this podcast right now, and knowing that I wrote a book about, about my conver conversion and what it meant to me. So I think one of the reasons why he said that and why it rings true for me is because when you have no faith at all, um, and when I married my wife Francine, uh, uh, I got Francine pregnant in college, uh, she gave me, uh, she told me I could tell people that, so I'm gonna tell you that up front. Um, and she said that she would, um, I didn't have to marry her, but she was going to have the baby no matter what. And she was, um, she was Catholic. Uh, she was not proud of the fact that, and neither myself now, that you know, we took our love farther than we should have before we got married. But it is what it is when you're in college. 
Um, when she told me that, I fell in love with her more than ever. Where she gave me the right to move on, I didn't. Um, I stayed. Uh, looking back on it, Jesus was pleased with we made the right decision after making a mistake, but he also would tell me, your life is not going to be easy, <laughs> and it wasn't. Um, my 20s were really tough. Um, my faith wasn't very strong, um, and it got to the point where what really drove me, Father, was my freedom was going to make money. I was always a worker. I was always a grinder, and in my eyes, if I made money, I would have freedom, and freedom and peace. And uh, that's what I did. And I worked and I grind. Um, many of your listeners may have heard of Two Men in a Truck, the moving company, uh, largest franchise moving company in the world. Um, started out with a 66 Ford pickup truck that we bought uh, from Michigan State University for $250. Uh, it was an old ag truck, um, power nothing, uh, <laughs> drum brakes, I mean, the whole thing. But that's where we started. And um, so as we worked and we built that business, I did find the, what I was looking for. And in many conversions, what's gonna happen is someone is gonna, their life is gonna fall apart, they're gonna have nothing, and, and they're gonna come to Jesus. And that's great, as long as you get there, who cares, right, how you get there. Um, I was such a grinder, I think God looked at me and went, let him have it, you can have it. And I did, and that's really a, a lot of what, about what the book is about, is about how I, how I found wealth, and, uh, when, and there was a moment that Fran and the kids were gone. I went home and I mowed the lawn in, in my new uh, John Deere garden tractor. Um, I just cleaned my new pool, mowed the lawn, and I set this stage really good in the book, exactly how it happened. Um, I thought it's the first time to have that scotch on the rocks poolside and, you know, and just, uh, uh, kind of enjoy this successful, this milestone that I finally made it. I finally had the freedom. Um, I drank, I took a big hit of scotch. I bought a bottle of scotch because I thought that's what successful men drank. And um, I almost spit, I mean, I spit it out. Um, it was like, what? It's not what I expected. Um, I had a cigar. I did finish my cigar and I thought this is going to take some time for me to get into this mode. I thought, you know, I'm gonna have to join a country club and rub elbows with other rich guys and talk about our war stories about the business and things like that. Acquiring the taste, as they say. Yes, because yeah, I figured that's gonna take a while. That's not what happened. Um, literally the next day, I just had this foul taste in my mouth and it wasn't from the scotch, it was just from, is this it? I, I, first of all, I couldn't figure it out. And this went on for about a month, actually about six weeks. And I couldn't shake it. And it and I'm not going to go into great detail, but your, your listeners kind of know what I'm doing here, where I'm going with this, to the point where I was just, I can't even explain it. I was so down. It was, I would never want this feeling on anybody. It was horrible. And that is really when I came to Christ. And I remember where I was when I did, and I just, I was on my workout bench in my basement, and I just asked Jesus to come into my life. I said, uh, I'm not... I didn't find what I was looking for. I was smart enough to realize that Satan put it on my heart. It's because you don't have enough. Look what these other people have. It's such a cliche, I could even see it. <laughs> so I, I went, there's really, this is the dead end. I mean, there is nowhere to go. And when I did that, and I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now, Father, it wasn't overnight, but uh, over a period of time, the weight started to come off a little bit. Um, I had this hunger to read. I prayed for God for resources, and Father, there's so many resources out there. 
And, and it does amaze me when you say that, how many people tell me, you know, like, oh, the internet is this, or, or the, there are tremendous things on the internet. There are oh. great podcasts. There are speeches that are given. There are books that are written. And so many, so many Catholics especially themselves don't tap into this huge, beautiful resource of good Catholic art, basically. Yes, yes. and you know, d don't go for the basic 400 level <laughs> Catholic philosophy, right? Really find out that Jesus loved you, okay? And um, you'll find that with really any Christian background, but when you finally feel loved by Christ, you will start to like yourself. And I- Say that, that again, that, that's big. I, I think when, when, when you really realize that Jesus loves you and you can start to like yourself, then you feel you're in the relationship with him. Then what you want to do is feed that relationship. And how are we going to do that? How about just reading some things? How about going to Mass more than just on Sunday, if you're even going to that at all? Uh, Father, I've been going to Mass um, almost daily. Um, and one of the uh, churches is, is in northern Michigan where our cottage is. And it's typically me and my wife, Fran, and two 80-year-old ladies, and that's it. But you know what? Um, that, that is where I am communicating uh, with God. And I'm really, and, and one of the things that I'll do, and this has been so helpful, maybe to some of your listeners as well, get on the USCCB website and read what, the, what the, the Catholic reading is for that day. Do it with your cup of coffee in the morning. Get up at six in the morning, do that. From there, go and then there is a little homily that, that you hit the button and there's probably about six or seven people that will give a three minute homily, typically. There's one dude that goes seven. It's like, dude, land the plane, right? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, most of them are like, are like uh, three minutes. Then I go to the daily mass. I am sitting, oh, and then from there, after, after the USCCB reading, go to Bishop Barron. Bishop Barron will give a homily that's probably two paragraphs long, three at the most, and it is talking about you know, the same reading. So sitting at Mass at eight in the morning, I've heard two homilies and I've already read it. Now I'm gonna get a third homily. Father, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, okay? So sometimes I need to get hit from different angles. When God is speaking to me, it is a three-dimensional punch in the face. After I, after I take communion, I get in my truck and I drive home with the radio off and say, God, what are you, out of these three homilies and this reading and taking the Eucharist, what are you trying to relate to me here? So, so now, th this whole process, I mean, when you get to this level, I mean, obviously you went through that great despair, you went through that really dark night, so to speak, you went through those trials. Was there one specific thing that happened or series of things that happened that made you want to desire this daily communion with God? I, I really think what it was is I prayed to God early in the game, right after I asked him to come into my heart. I asked for resources. Lord, help me. I, and I'm going to tell you right now, Father, two months after that prayer, I, I prayed and told him to stop because it was so much. It was like an avalanche of books. People that I worked with that I did not know were Christians were coming to me. And it was, it was absolutely amazing. So now, as we step forward, um, I take on president and CEO of Two Men in a Truck. Um, and this is in 2007, 2008, during that, the, the big recession that we were in. Um, 
it was the uh, mortgage debacle that brought on the recession, if you remember. Mm -hmm. Not good when you own a moving company, <laughs> when they lock up mortgages and people don't move. And there was almost no way out. And my book goes into great detail. This was crazy because um, we were hemorrhaging cash, the business. Um, we were down to about $500,000 in cash. It sounds like, ooh, that's a lot of money. Not, not, not to a company this big. Um, and when I took over, I, I took over a company that did not have an org chart. Um, you know, we were a small mom and pa company that got really big. So no fault of my family, no fault of anybody else that was running at the time, but it was just where, where we were. Uh, going through the org chart had nothing to do with, I can't, you know, I, I can't pay people. It had nothing to do with it. I just found out there were some people that were working for us that I didn't know what the hell they did. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, there, so there were some people that I had to let go. There was, most of the people were hardworking, but the business outgrew them. And that happens a lot, in, in, especially in small businesses getting bigger, where you bring up a lot of operational people in the business and you, you put them into leadership roles. A lot of times it doesn't work. And we were chock full of that. And so God put on my heart to severance out. I severanced out $260,000 out of the 500,000 we had. God put it on my heart to do that. At the time, I belonged to YPO. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a Young Presidents Organization. Uh, many of your um, listeners know what YPO is. Uh, I was out of YPO out of Detroit. These were hard-ass businessmen that it, it was business, business, business. And they taught me a lot, but they also said, you are an effing idiot, Brig. You just lost your company. And I said, we'll see. And this is how God works. So these people I let go, I brought in um, some uh, uh, more leadership from the outside that knew things about IT. They knew stuff about marketing. Um, they, they knew stuff about finance. And so we sat down, and you have to understand something, Father. Um, I'm a geography major. I never took a single business class in my life. And so when all this was going on, I prayed to God. And I said, God, you changed my life. You saved my life. What can you do in business? What are we going to do in your moving business today? And when I brought God in, I can't tell you the amount of just, just in time saves the right people. Um, I'm not saying it was a cakewalk, but not only we had the worst year we had during the recession, we were down 10%. After that, we grew double digits for the next 10 years in a row. And this is also, you know, from, from leadership that has not taken a single business class. You can learn a lot of business just in the Ten Commandments alone. Um, but just treating people right, giving them a chance. Um, I was a hard driver, but I was fair. And I also told people, you're allowed to make mistakes as long as you're making them falling. I want you falling forward, not backward, okay? When we make a mistake, let's move forward. Um, we built onto the business, put the Ten Commandments in stone in, in our business uh, with the light on it. Um, it was pretty cool because my office, my window looked down on it, and I saw several times people walking in taking pictures of that sign. Uh, in interviews with really, with people that, that we brought in that had multiple job offers, um, would tell me when I saw the Ten Commandments on your building, I knew that's where I needed to work. Interesting. You know, I've said this, people are hungry, just like you became hungry. People are truly hungry for God. They, they, they want to know Jesus Christ. They want to know more about Him. And it's little things like that that all of a sudden someone's going, 
he's a good one. Mm -hmm. He's one of the people I can be with. He's one that can lead or show me where I need to be. That, I think, is a witness of itself. I think one of the big problems that we do have in the Catholic Church in general, and I think in our world today, is that somewhere along the line, we started to back off of our Christian faith. We mm. just started to say, you know, it's, I'll just stay in my own little box. I'll pray here. I won't bother anybody. I won't share the good news. I won't do any of that. I'll just do my part. And then as soon as we see somebody who's willing to take the risk and say, I'm going to put my faith first, and you're going to know when you walk through these doors that you're dealing with a believer. Amen. And I, oh, Father, I can't tell you how many times people walk in those doors and they just go, this is a culture I can't put my finger on. And I said, because Jesus walks these halls. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, we had as many as uh, 200 full-time employees at our corporate office. Were they all Christian? No. Um, this was a very interesting thing. So we had a Bible study. And, um, at we, the business. Uh, at the business. Um, we've had it for years, uh, but back when I was making all these changes and we were going through all the, um, all the org chart stuff, um, at that time we had 78 employees and I let about 18 of them go. And um, so I, uh, at Bible study, I went to go sit in Bible study, got my, my cup of coffee and my Bible and I sat there and there was a young lady sitting across and we were there for about five minutes and there's usually about 12 people in the Bible study. I said, where is everybody? She said, you fired them. And I went, what? And she went, you fired almost all the people except for you and me in the Bible study. And I went, oh. I said, well, why don't we skip for today and we'll figure out what we're gonna do next week. I went back in my office, shut the door, and I started laughing. Not at the people, okay? I was laughing out of just, God, you blinded me from protecting, you know, Christians because they're just Christians. That's not what happened. Most of them were let go. And, and I remember, um, and then I, there was another wave I had to let a few more go. And I remember being on my floor crying because I did not like, I like to be liked. I, I don't like to hurt people, but this is God's business. This was put in front of me. And I, was, I thought it was over and the weight came on me again. I went, Lord, we're not doing this again, are we? And he's like, you did not finish what we started. Now, I didn't literally hear that, or otherwise I'd be nuts, but it was on my heart. And then he said, and then it came on my heart when I was praying, these people are taking shelter in your business. I want them out doing something else. There's other things out there other than your business. And, I, and that just brought me peace. Severance to Mount, several of them in Lansing, Michigan is a, a, a regional-sized city. I know most of the business people there. Several of them I was able to get jobs at other places. And so, and some of them are still my friends afterwards. It took a few years, but afterwards. So those are the type of things that, that you will see. Uh, another thing that happened was after we did this, our whole IT was, um, everything was falling apart because nothing was done by code. We had no... Uh, systems, you know, we didn't have any IT systems. I mean, I'm talking standards. And so I had people come in and from the outside to take a look at our computer systems. And they went, you have no standards. You don't even have a firewall. We don't even know why this hasn't been taken down. And I went, oh, this is before I let these people, let some of the people go. No, no. So what happened was I said, well, I, I have to let all these people go and I'll just get new IT people. And they went, no, 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 no. Nobody will know how this runs. Somebody's got is juggling plates and saucers and balls at the same time keeping this thing going. You have to hire new people 
work with those people and let those people go. And I went, that's what I'll do. And I, and I severance those people out as well. And then we fully, we got the system back up and going. It's funny what people will say is like, man, those were hard decisions. And I went, no, those are the easiest decisions. Either you make this decision or your business fails. And so as I was moving forward, I had several, either make this decision or your business fails. On the outside, they look like hard decisions. <laughs> On the inside, they're relatively easy. Well, when you do it with God. Absolutely. And so that was the thing is we, we eventually um, got all that stuff up and, and, and going. That's all in my book and in a lot more detail. Um, once again, the book is called Moving Forward, A Stickman's Journey for Hope and Meaning. It's written by a Brig Sorber. It's available, I presume, on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'll try to put a link down below for those who would, be, uh, would like to, to check it out. Um, I've got a copy, I've, and I have to be honest, I haven't had a chance. We've been on pilgrimage. Oh, I wouldn't expect <laughs> you to read um, that. You've been busy the whole time. Uh, but Brig was kind enough to give me a copy, and I'm going I'm to definitely take a look at it when we get back home. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's, been a, it's been a packed week. It's been kind of like, I guess, the, the way your business oh. is. It's like, you know, when you're going, you're going, and you just keep going until you take a break. <laughs> There's something I want to add, uh, Father, that I learned on this trip was, um, okay, I, I, I was not a Christian. I was not an atheist. I was, I don't know, agnostic, maybe they call it, or just a young guy that was just trying to get by. But um, I caught fire with my faith, and I took off. And I mean, I was in many of your, um, of your listeners know Legatus. I was the president of the Lansing Legatus. I speak to a lot of Legatuses around the country. Um, I wrote this book. Um, I do prayer breakfast around the country. Um, and so my, my faith took off. But what I learned on this journey is, Brid, you need to backfill. You need to go back. You need to start praying the rosary. I, here I am with these people on our pilgrimage that are so devout. And you've got uh, Father Peter on the bus praying and, and all off the top of his head and all these people are off the top of their head and I'm sitting there flipping pages and I'm going like, Brig, you need to backfill. You need to, and that's the beauty of our Catholic faith is it's so deep. It's just like a flower that keeps opening up. Do I want to keep swimming on the surface or do I want to go deep where, where, the, where, where the real creatures are, where the real adventure of, of our faith is deep? How many, Father, how many Catholics say they're Catholic and they don't go to Mass? How many Catholics only go during Christmas and Easter um, and, you know, and maybe a wedding or, or just go once a week? You're swimming on the surface of our faith. And I want to tell you, when you put on snorkel gear and eventually, eventually you, you, know, you, you put on scuba gear and you get down to the bottom of the depths of it, it is amazing. And you never want to go back. And the Catholics that just swim on the surface are really gonna miss out. And I think when you really meet Christ face to face, you're gonna wish you could live your life over again. I I, really I, and I, and it, it, does, it does amaze me, the number of people I've spoken to in my life, the Catholics that I connect with, where you can almost sense the superficiality to their faith. It's a checkbox on a list, yes. it's something that I do, it's what I, it's what I am, um, I was baptized as a baby, and. You know, and this is just what we do. So we just show up once a week. or we. But the, the, the depth and the beauty, I, I love the way you use Bishop Barron as an example. I love the way he describes the depth and beauty of the faith. He says, but you always start with the beauty. You'll get to the depth if you start with the beauty. 
and he uses such great images like baseball. He's a big, huge oh, baseball yeah. fan. And he says, you're not going to get someone to love baseball by trying to explain to them the infield fly rule. It's, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Right. He says, but if you bring him into a stadium and the crowd is cheering and the smell of the grass yes. and the crack of the bat, that attracts first. And then someone might say, I want to know more about that. And that's that going from the superficial to the depth. The same thing happens in our faith. Believe it or not, we've always said that it's, um, you know, Faith first. Faith always came first. So theology in its definition was always faith seeking understanding. You have to believe in Jesus Christ, that relationship that yes. you spoke about, that I really want to please my Lord, but I want to have a relationship. So I want him to reach to me as I reach to him. Yes. And that's where the depth starts to come into it. And God has given us all kinds of talents and treasures to use. And a lot of us are sitting on the sidelines not using them. Bishop Barron said, and it, this, this dumped me on my head when he said this, he was talking about the ego drama and the theo drama. And you and I were talking about that over dinner last night. Um, the ego, and this is what keeps a lot of people from coming to mass more than they should and getting deeper in their faith, is they're, they're stuck in the ego drama. And the ego drama is you are uh, the writer, the producer, the director, and you play the main character in your drama. And that drama is to bolster your ego. I can talk about this because I did this. And, but, and the thing is, the ego is very, very hungry. You will never satisfy it. And take a look at the famous sports heroes out there and, and uh, um, you know, Hollywood movie stars whose lives go sideways because they can't gulp up enough of it. There's certain politicians, I won't mention any names, or, or even worse. And it's like, you are building just all ego. Then there's the theodrama. Theodrama is God is the writer, the producer, the director, and asks you through your free will if you'll play a part in his drama. And that is where the adventure is. Let your ego go, because where is that taking you? Nowhere, it's not going anywhere. All it's gonna do is feed itself. It's gonna ruin relationships. And you'll never be able to build a business based on your ego. How many people are gonna work to, just to bolster Briggs Sorber's ego? Maybe for a couple years if it pays well and then they're gone, right? But if you take a look at the theodrama, let's put it towards abortion, for instance. How many Catholics, quote unquote, you don't see my quote fingers here, are like past, they, they, they vote for abortion. It, it doesn't make any sense. And then to me, that is living the ego drama. And I hate to touch on this point here because it can be kind of thorny, but I'm gonna do it anyway. The ego drama is I wasn't ready to have a baby yet. It wasn't time to have this baby yet. I was writing my scripts. I was going to yeah, make a million dollars, and this is in the way. This is in the way. This comes later. I'm, I'm going to do away with this, and, and I'll bring in life later. The theodrama is, surprise, you're pregnant. Wow, God has something for me. I'm going to play the part that God is putting in front of me, and that is to be that, you know, a good Catholic Christian and do those things and bring life because God is about life. Bring life into it. That's where the adventure, that's where God's love is, is, is that. I don't know if you realize, but you brought this back full circle to your wife again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what gave me, and thank God that God showed me grace, because back when Fran got pregnant, if she would have told me, Father, I need to go to the abortion clinic, I would have grabbed my keys and the coat, and I would have taken her there. But in my relationship, even with the theodrama, God will bring me back to that and go, and, and, and we touch on that. Brick, do you remember how you felt there? It's like, oh, Lord, I do. Thank you, thank you for showing me grace. Thank you for um, being so strong and having such a great relationship with my wife that she 
<laughs> Fran and I got married. She she wasn't raising a child. She was raising me and a child. <laughs> I was thinking, my, I'm a man. I'm marrying her. I'm doing this. No, she kept us. She kept me buoyant, really, until kind of handed me over to God when I finally grew up. But Father, it took years after I got married. It just didn't happen right away. It's still happening. It's still happening. I still, even on this trip, have thought and said things at night. I'm going like, why did I say that? And I'm a wild, a little bit of a wild hare, um, and I'm trying to conform a little bit better and use some more common sense. Um, uh, but I yet yeah, I know God loves me. I know He shakes my He shakes His head every now and then, and I know every now and then He probably smirks too. <laughs> but, oh, I, he, he's got He's got a couple of chuckles out of me I, all the time. It's unbelievable. But Father, He made us. He and, does, uh, and He and He knows us well enough to know that even when we have those foibles and even when we have those difficult moments, like you said, you fall forward. And I love that image that you used. That's the Christian image from yes. day one. That what you know, it's not that you fall; it's that you fall forward. And what the way I would start to wrap this up is to say, as a Christian, we're not perfect, no. but we strive for perfection. In striving for perfection, we recognize, like you say, I go, you know, like we, we priests and religious at night, as part of our night prayers, an examination of conscience at the beginning of every night prayer, to just go back over the day and say, you know what, I could have done this better. This I definitely did wrong. When I said it this way, I hurt somebody else. That's a sin. How can I change that tomorrow? so that I fall forward, not backwards. And so many people, I think, get caught in the rut of their sin that they forgot that, but I'm supposed to be pulled out of that, not yes. remain in it. And yes, and I want to add too, before we close here, is that if there's any listeners going, I don't know how to break this. You know, I'm, 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 I'm in a rut. I feel I'm, I'm going to mass once a week, I'm in a rut. Pray to the Holy Spirit to put some things in front of you. Well, let me back up. That's wrong. Jesus is already putting things in front of you. Pray for the Holy Spirit that you can see them and that you can act on them. And some of them are so little. Some of them it could be, maybe it's picking up a piece of trash that's right next to the garbage can, just throwing it away when nobody's looking. Maybe it's something that simple. Your neighbor's garbage can rolls is rolling in the road. Pick the damn thing up. Put, <laughs> put little things, um, but little things turn into bigger things. But when, why, why I mention those little tiny things is those are the exercises of listening to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, before you know it, will start speaking to you about uh, bigger things, deeper things. The Holy Spirit will point you to books. It will point you maybe to something in mass. You might feel this um, this godly slap in the face, like whoa, that was talking to me. That's the Holy Spirit just going. Break. Listen to this. Do this, and pretty soon you're you're starting to go deeper in that water to get deeper into that ocean of faith. Taking that first breath on the surface and swimming down. Maybe it's only a couple feet, but open your eyes and see what's on the bottom of the ocean, and go, oh, I want more of that. Come back up and take a bigger breath, and before you know it, you'll be down there. Don't put yourself down there right away. Um, Pray for God to, at, at, at his timing and just listen and get more into the theodrama and start strangling out your ego. And it's along the lines of what I'll say to people all the time. We're, we're people on the way. Amen. We're making yeah. a journey. And part of that journey is to get stronger along the way, to get more focused along the way, to keep, again, doing that falling forward. 
to keep looking at my life and saying, but there's still more. Let me try a little harder. So like you said, today I only made it three feet. Tomorrow I can make it seven feet. You know, if I just keep going at it and going at it. The beauty of our faith, the beauty of Catholicism is just so rich that it can't be summarized in a podcast. It can't be summarized in just about any human form of communication because the word Jesus Christ can, can never be expressed in its fullness with human words. And so that's why I just fall in love with Jesus again and again and allow him to be my all. Yes. And that's that. Um, so again, the book is Moving Forward, A Stickman's Journey for Hope and Meaning. His name is Rick Sorber, uh, Brig Sorber. I'm so glad that I had this opportunity to meet you, to spend some time with you, to pray with you. Um, to be in the Holy Sepulchre with you. I mean, <laughs> it was amazing. It, it was, you know, if you've never taken a pilgrimage and you have the opportunity, I always say to anybody, you have to do it. If the Holy Land, there are so many other holy mm. sites, but mm. just letting go of our lives for even a few days and just, you know, like pilgrimage was a part of the Jewish faith. You always had to do it. Catholics, go on pilgrimage. Go somewhere, go someplace holy. Do something that breaks the routine enough that when you get back, you're going to say, now I know I need to still grow here or there in yeah. this way or that way. Final thoughts? Final thoughts is uh, on this pilgrimage, uh, you know, noticing that I do have to backfill on, on, and, and get deeper in, you know, in my deep swim to the bottom, I missed a lot. I want to swim backwards and, and, uh, and, and, and learn more about our faith. Uh, Father Peter, I, I, I know it's your show here, but I just want to tell your listeners, uh, you were uh, the perfect priest uh, to go with with this Catholic guy and help me to uh, fill some of those voids, those holes, and to you know help me to pray the rosary um, and all the different prayers that, that we sit on the bus. I actually started memorizing a lot of them um, because of repetition, repetition. And um, so it was just, uh, it, it, it was wonderful. And I'll have a new perspective uh, getting back to the States, uh, picking up my cross and walking. Amen. And I always say too, and you know, even when I'm going through these moments myself, I'm, I'm still growing. I'm still getting there, and there's still so much more I have to learn, and I think it's the repetition that helps me to learn even better. Yeah. So I'd like to thank anybody who's actually stayed with us for this long. We're <laughs> up to minute number 35 here, which is wonderful, and it's been a very rich conversation. I thank Brig for his commitment to Christ and his faith and, and sharing that faith with you, the listeners. One of the things that I would ask, if you could take just a moment to like or subscribe, if you could follow me on whatever platform you found this, Please do so, uh, keep the numbers coming, and know that you're always in my prayers. I, I pray for you every day, and I say these words right now as I say these closing uh, prayers. I pray that Almighty God touch anybody who hears my words right now, allows His Holy Spirit to come into their hearts. I pray that God Himself will fill you with peace and give you new hope in this journey of life toward the eternal kingdom where He is Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And the Almighty God shed His blessings upon you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be Thanks to God. Thanks be to God.